the title of my message today is All the More. All the More. And uh, uh, if it's a good thing, if it's a good thing, we're living, in a, we're living in a season when we need to bear down and intensify doing those good things even more. Amen? You understand, I've been talking all month now. There's five Sundays in this month, by the way. And I've devoted, I've devoted this month to waking us up to the fact that it's high time it's, it's a season, uh, we're in a season of time that never existed before. And it's time for you to wake up, it's time for us to shake up, it's time for us to gear up, and it's time for us to think differently than we've ever thought before. You cannot just live life the way you always lived it. Now, the younger you are, the easier it is for you to change your routines. But when you get old like me and set in your ways... You've heard the old saying, it's hard to teach an old dog a new trick. Well, that's only if the old dog is old in his mind. But if he thinks he's a young dog, you can teach him anything. That's good. And, uh, and I, I believe that I can, learn, I can learn a new trick. I believe I, can change, I believe I can change my ways. I can change my habits. I still believe that, even though I'm, I'm an old guy, you know. I'm not that old. I'm not petrified. Right? And so we can, we can change. And we're living in a season that, has, that everything in this world has changed. What, what we've gone through in the last couple of years has, has touched the whole world. Good and bad. It's really brought some unity uh, uh, to the body of Christ. It, it's like it, it doesn't matter so much, all those little... Uh, doctrinal arguments that kept us separate. Now we're fighting for survival, and we're united in our efforts to uh, uh, to uh, be free to worship the Lord and to serve God. Right, and so there's there's a, a change that's taking place in the body of Christ. That's good, man. If they love Jesus, I love them. That's just all there is to it. I don't have to agree with every every little point of doctrine. In, in, a, in, in a room with this many people in it, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of doctrinal differences. Because we come from different backgrounds and different persuasions and different ideas, and we all have our take on things. But, that, uh, but we don't focus on those differences. We focus on the thing we have in common, and that's our commitment to Jesus Christ. He's Lord of all. He's the head of the church. And, and so... Uh, we're in a season where that, that is becoming more and more and more important. Our unity as believers and followers of Christ is more important than those things that divide us. Thank you for those two amens. Amen. So, uh, I want you to look with me in Mark chapter 12. No, don't, let's not start there. Let's start in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes, you know, that's... That's in the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament sets the stage for everything that's new. As a matter of fact, a huge portion of the New Testament is Old Testament quotations. <laughs> Jesus even, quote, he even quoted the book of Enoch. 
And we don't even have that in our, in our, our Old Testament. But Jesus quoted from the book of Enoch. So I have, I have it. I have all three versions of it. There's actually three different books of Enoch. I don't know which one he quoted from, but uh, so I've got all three. I didn't go out and buy them. I inherited them from Joe Wagner. Praise God. And a bunch of his Catholic books. I've got, I, I've got a bunch of Catholic books in my library. <laughs> and, and, and I got one in there that's in Greek. I can't even read it. But I, I open it up and I read, I read Joe's notes. He wrote in the margin. You know, Joe could read Greek. And so he wrote in the margins. So I read the margins. Some of you don't even know who Joe Wagner was, but he, he, was, he was our Wednesday night Bible teacher for many years. And what a blessing he was. A lot of it was right over my head, but you know, it's still, he was a blessing. Praise God. Are you there yet? Ecclesiastes chapter 9. I want to look at verse 10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. Now, the wisdom in this is you've only got one life. You've only got one opportunity. Once, you, once you're dead, it's over. As far as your accomplishments, as far as, as, as your work on earth, as far as your ministry, as far as uh, um, uh, what you're going to accomplish or whatever, it's over. The moment you draw your last breath, your chance is over. So while you have breath, while you have life, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. Do it with your, uh, your utmost. Put forth your best effort because once it's blown, it's blown. Can we say amen? amen. So we need to be people. We need to be people who serve and follow God. We need to be people who give it our best, give it our all. No lackadaisical, haphazard slacking, but 100% for Jesus. I've got a button at home. I saw it. I've got it in my top dresser drawer. It says 100% for Jesus. White, white button with red letters, 100% for Jesus. I used to wear that. It was kind of like a, a conversation starter. People would say, 100% of what? And I'd say, 100% of me. I'm going to live my life 100%. I'm a 100%er. I give it all to the Lord. Amen? Now, now turn to Mark chapter 12, verse 29. Now, I, I heard this in my spirit as I was praying and, and, and studying this week, and this, these words just kept coming over and over in my mind all the more, all the more, all the more. Do more, do more. Intensify, intensify, intensify. And it's, it's like God was calling for more out of me. God is pressing us. He's pressing us for more. He wants more. You know, no matter what it is you're doing, He wants you to do more. And uh, in Mark chapter 12, starting with verse 29, uh, a, law, a lawyer came to Jesus and asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, 
This is from Deuteronomy chapter 3. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Now, all means 100%. So, he, you know, the great commandment is you shall love the Lord your God with 100% of your heart, with 100% of your soul, and with 100% of your mind, and with 100% of your strength. This is the first commandment. The second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the lawyer went on to say, Lord, you have rightly said. And then he quoted it again. The lawyer quoted it. So we know that, that, uh, that Jesus sees our number one priority in life is to love him with everything. To love him with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And that's not to give him just a day a week or two or three hours a week, or 15 minutes a day, or while you're sitting on the toilet, read a devotional. Now, I do believe in all that. I believe, I believe we, need to, we need to set aside the day of the Lord to go and worship the Lord and seek the Lord. I do believe that we need to spend time in church, or we need to spend time on the toilet devoting. Amen. Amen. Uh, you know, we have devotion books here and there. You know, we, we're, we're believers in it. We, we believe tremendously in all that. Uh, but I don't see that as 100% of my responsibility. Just to give the Lord a, a, a tip of my, you know, just a, a little bit of my time and effort. When the scripture says the commandment of the Lord is to give him all of it. All of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, all of your might. And, uh, and I believe in this day we're living in, this new season, we need to bear down on that and intensify in those areas and make the Lord a priority and do everything we can to give Him 100%. Amen. Amen? Not only are we to love Him more, but we're to, we're to love Him more intensely. 1 Peter chapter 4 and, and verse 7 says, 1 Peter comes right, after, right before 2 Peter in the New Testament. 1 Peter 4, 7, but the end of all things is at hand. Isn't that what we've been saying? These are the end times. These are the last days. And regardless of whether Jesus comes for us all uh, soon, he's coming for us all individually sooner than we think. You don't know your checkout time, but God does. A lot of folks are, you know, focusing on the rapture of the church and the second coming of Jesus, and, and they're forgetting he could come for them prior to all that. Ruth had a, one of her best friends and, and a lady she uh, prayed with constantly, uh, Lynn Prevo. She was uh, 52 and pulled out a, a, from a stop sign and got hit by a truck and was instantly in the presence of God. Was it 52? Very young. Very young. Right around 50. Just gone, just like that. You know, healthy, busy, active, prayerful lady. Jesus came for her before he came for us all. 
And we hear about that all the time. It happens all the time. Even children. My, my, my nephew's a little boy, seven-year-old boy. You know, riding in the back seat of his car. His mother lost control of the car, slammed into a trailer, and, and he was killed instantly. Seven years old. But he had his whole life before him. Well, apparently not. He's in heaven now. So you don't know when you're going to check out. You can't just assume you have your life all planned. You know, when I'm 20, I'm going to do this. When I'm 30, I'm going to do that. When I'm 40, I'm going to do that. When I'm 50, I, and you know, I have this 40-year plan all marked out and planned. No, that's if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills, we will do that. But God knows your day of departure, and there's nothing you can do about it. Can't change it. It's written in a book in heaven, your day of death. Say amen, Pastor. Amen, Pastor. So, the end of all things is, is, you know, really and truly, the end of all things is always close. That's, what I'm, that's the point I'm making. If you live to be 100 years, that's not very long. And if you're my age, it's getting closer. Amen. I've got more life behind me than I do ahead of me. And most, uh, most of us here are in that boat. We got more life behind us than we do ahead of us in this world, in this flesh. So the end of all things for you is at hand. It's within reach. I've got good news for you. We're all going to die. Come on, smile, laugh about it. It's just part of life. You might as well get used to the idea because you can't escape it. Unless the rapture takes place. And like I said, generations before us were holding out for the rapture, and, and, uh, and yet the Lord came for them before the rapture. So uh, what do we do? 1 Peter 4, 7 says, Be ye therefore sober. Be sober about life. Watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. So we're, we're supposed to love God with all of our heart and our neighbor as ourselves, but fervently. Fervent. You know what fervent means? It means white hot. White hot, like you, 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 you bring a flame. Uh, it, first it's, it's yellow, blue, green, and then it becomes white. I mean, that, that's as hot as you can get. And our love, our love for God and our love for each other, uh, it needs to be white hot. It, it, God, God wants us fervent in our love for each other. Amen? For this kind of love shall cover the multitude of sins. You see, if we love one another fervently, we're not going to judge each other. We're not going to criticize each other. We're not going to condemn each other. We're not going to say, you're not very loving. Because that's not loving. <laughs> Amen. Lo love says, love says, you know, I love you whether you love me or not. I love you fervently. I, I can't see your faults because I love you so much. I, I remember when Ruth loved me so much she couldn't see my faults. <laughs> now she's trying to fix me. <laughs> Amen. Don't laugh at Ruth. We're all that way. Yes. Amen. 
You, you remember that time in your life where you were, you were so blind, you, could, you couldn't hear any warnings from your relatives about who you were going to marry because, you know, to you they had no faults. But once the honeymoon, you know, kind of waned, all of a sudden their faults become glaring. Well, what you need to do is fall back into that fervent category of, of white-hot love. Amen? Because it covers a multitude of sin. Use hospitality to one another without grudging. As every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. Whatever gift you've got, we're to, we're to, we're to minister and serve one another with that gift. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. It all begins. You see, we cannot serve God in a manner that he's deserving of if our love is not white hot. Jesus said it itself in Revelation. He said, I would that you were cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. There it is. Amen. He said, I will spew you out. Yeah. Now, there's a difference between upchuck and spew. <laughs> Do I have to tell you the difference? My grandson one time was sitting in his car seat in the back seat of, of my son's pickup truck. And they were driving down the road. He's just a little boy, you know, little little fella. And he got car sick. And uh, he didn't upchuck, he spewed. And uh, this brand new F-150 pickup truck, brand new pickup truck, had spew from the back seat all over the inside of the windshield, both sides of the, of the car, all over the back of the front seat. I mean, and my son, the back of his head. I mean, there was spew everywhere. And they never got it all out of that truck. He, he, he finally traded that truck off because it was, it, it, he had spewed. Jesus said, that's what I'm going to do to you if you're not hot. So loving the Lord mildly is not acceptable to the Lord. It's offensive to the Lord. It makes him sick at his stomach. God requires us to love intensely. And then, then, he, then he, you know, remember the great commandment. The same love that you give for God, you have to turn on each other. You can't love Jesus fervently and hate your brother. It's impossible. John wrote about it throughout the whole first book of John, 1 John. He, it was all about the fact you can't love God and, and hate your brother. It's impossible. <coughs> you, can't even claim, you can't even claim to be a servant of God or child of God if you hate your brother. So if you've got disgust and disdain and hatred and, uh, for, for each other, you're, you've fallen out of love with Jesus. So not only, not only are we to love more, but we're to love intensely more. Let it be like a flame burning in your heart, your love for the Lord and your love for the Lord's people. Uh, I'm going to move on. You know, there's some other things we need to do more. Uh, how about go to church more? <laughs> now, we can all say amen because we're here, right? 
Hebrews 10.23, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm trying to provoke you unto love and good works. But we're supposed to do that with each other. We're supposed to provoke one another. How do we provoke one another? By being the example. Be thou an example of the believers in, 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 uh, in your whole lifestyle, in love and purity and, 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 and faith and, and your whole spirit of life. Uh, we're supposed to be examples for one another. Isn't that what Paul told Timothy? Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. The way we provoke one another to love is not pointing a finger at them and saying, you don't love me enough, but you, but you, you do it before them. You become a pattern. You become an example of love. And by doing that, we provoke one another. Be a, be a person who's always got ideas about how to show love. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Jimmy. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now, the way this is written, the context tells me that one of, the, one of the good works, one of the loving good works that we're to provoke one another to is not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And, and here's that phrase the Lord really spoke to me this week. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Well, you don't, you don't have to be a prophet to know that the day's approaching. We're, we're, we're living in, in dangerous times, perilous times, times when it can go south real fast. Matter of fact, I think we, we've been heading south for quite a while, and, it, and we're picking up speed. And the only way things are going to get better is if God divinely intervenes, because things have gone down so fast and so, so uh, such... Uh, an intensity that no, no men can turn it around. We can't turn this ship around. We've, we've passed the line of uh, demarcation several times. We, we, the line of no return. If you study history and study the demise of civilizations, we've gone beyond the point of no return. The tipping point is not ahead of us, it's behind us. This whole, this whole thing is already tipped. And the only, way, the only way for it to recover is a divine intervention. Don't rule that out. Don't rule that out. But seeing the times we're in, seeing, what, seeing where it's all headed, they've already got the technology for the mark of the beast. Y'all know that, right? They've already got the little chips. Uh, there are people who are getting them implanted already, and uh, they've already got tracking uh, ability where they can track you by your cell phone or by your heartbeat or by, you know, and they're putting more and more satellites up into space so they can keep even more and more uh, uh, tabs on your activities. They can track you by the money. Those dollar bills you've got, that, that cash you've got, it's got tracking codes on it. It's got tracking strips on it. They can, they can follow that money wherever it goes. They can follow your checks 
wherever they go. They can follow your electronic uh, 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 purchases wherever. You, I mean, there, there's no way you can escape that monitoring that's going on. Used to, you could live off grid, but now the grid's everywhere, and it's increasing. One of these days, there, you know, that area of orbiting around the Earth is already a junkyard. It's already so full of refrigerator-sized satellites that it's wonder sunlight can get through. And now they're they're gonna they're gonna uh, come down a little bit lower, a little bit lower altitude, and they're gonna put up a whole new layer of them. Jeff Bezos, the you know the Amazon guy, is. Uh, has already got all all this all these plans to put up a whole new layer of satellites so he can track. So they can track, so he can have his own internet. Oh, I pray his I, I pray he gets frustrated, his plans get frustrated, delayed, or stopped. But you know, the end you can see the end is near. Yes. How many of you can see that? Yes. You know, you don't have to be a prophet to read signs. So what should we do because of that? So much more as you see the day approach. What? So much more. You need to, you need to assemble together more. Yeah. We need each other more than we have ever needed each other before. I think instead of cutting services out, churches need to start adding services. And I'm praying about it. I'm praying about that. I'm praying about Lord, how can we better utilize our facility? We're paying, we're paying uh, this monthly rent every month. Uh, it doesn't need to sit empty. That's right. There's, there's, there are ways that we can utilize this. That we can do more. That we can, that we can increase. That we can add to. That we can intensify, and love the Lord and love people. See, I'm not, I'm not trying to find ways to occupy your time idly or, or, or to waste your time. But I, I, and so I'm careful about that. I'm careful about adding, adding services and adding uh, hours to each service. You know, I, I've got a clock back there on the wall. That clock is for me and me alone or whoever is here. You can't see it from the pool, you know, from where you are, but I can see it. And I'm mindful of your time. I'm try, I try to be careful not to waste your time or to go too long but how how am i going to be how am i going to intensify and do more within the time frame that i'm using maybe i need to use more time maybe we need to give the lord more time maybe we need to come to church more often amen and be and be more intent upon doing it don't let excuses keep us out every time I hear someone say I, we're not going to be there because and then they give me the because it's always it's always legitimate it's always reasonable I'm talking about you guys I'm talking about when you when you call and say I'm not going to be there there's there's always a good reason a logical acceptable and I'm and I'm not going to condemn you have I ever condemned anybody for, you know, calling up and saying they're not going to be here? Have I ever, 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 ever sent you to hell for it? 
Well, I'm not going to. You know why? Because I love you. And I love you intently. And I, and I want the best for you. And I understand things come up. Things happen. But we don't need to be looking for reasons not to assemble. We don't need to be looking for offenses. You know, uh, we've talked about offenses uh, lately, you know, and, and we, we don't need to let offenses become excuses for not assembling together. Amen? I always tell couples, when, when you're offended at each other, that's when you need to get together even more. Yeah, that's good. Amen? I don't believe that a, a, a marriage partner should ever be banished to the couch. That's right. I disagree with you. You're going to sleep in the couch. You're going to sleep in the spare bedroom. You can't, you can't sleep with me until you come into agreement with me. No, I think that's when y'all do need to sleep together. Y'all need to have the hot, fervent sex. Amen. Come on. I heard, felt that in the city of my soul. Amen. Every man here did. Praise God. Now, don't look offended at me. Pastor, talking about sex in church. Sex is an expression of intense love. It should be. If not, it's rape, right? You can rape your own wife. But it, it, it is an expression of intense love. That's what I'm saying. And so, it, you know, even when you're in disagreement, you need to be expressing that intense love to each other. I didn't know I was going to be going here, but here we are. Amen? We just, we just, it, it's, it's, you don't, it's part of that greater intensity thing. You don't let offenses, you don't let disagreements stop you from getting together with people you love. At home or at church. Well, I don't like who's preaching. So, do you love them? You may not like the preacher that pastor's got scheduled for today. It may not be your favorite preacher. I've had, I, I've had preachers here that I knew certain people didn't like. A lot of folks didn't like D.J. Price. Others didn't like Ron DePriest. <laughs> I had members of my own family didn't like Ron DePriest. But I had Ron DePriest and I had DJ Price on a regular basis. You know why? Because they added a dimension to the church that I could not add, and they, they accomplished some things that I couldn't accomplish. And I loved them, and they loved me. Do you know there are folks who would stay away when James Maloney was here? They would stay away because they were afraid he was going to read their mail. <laughs> prophesy over them and and so they'd, they'd stay away there, there are people that if pastor thomason's not preaching they won't come i don't understand that at all because you know i'm not the greatest preacher in the world that's why i have the and i'm not one of these people that's afraid to have a better preacher come or a better teacher come than than me because i love you and i want you to have the best so if I can't cook it up, I'll, I'll order takeout, <laughs> right? I'll get somebody in here. And, and isn't it, aren't you glad I had those people? D.J. Price, Ron DePriest, and James Maloney are, have all gone to be with the Lord in the last couple of years. 
I'm glad we had them when we could. Amen? Amen. Praise God. What am I saying? We need to come together even more. All the more. What is one of the earmarks of a great move of the Spirit, a great revival? Let me give you an example. The Brownsville revival in Pensacola. What was one of the earmarks of that revival? What, what happens? How, how do we know there's a great move of God taking place in a church? They start having church every night. And they go for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Amen? Amen? Amen. That's, how we, that's how we know God's really moving. Because they, they, they start going to church even more. How do, you, how do you know when the church is dead? Nobody goes. <laughs> when nobody goes to church, it's dead. It's, it's dying. If you can't get people to come to church, the church is dying. But the church is in revival if the people are saying, we need, we need to have church every day, every night. We need to have church every night. And I can just hear some people's brains rolling. Well, I ain't going to go every night. Well, you, you will if you get fervent. You will if you get on fire. You will if you obey the commandment, love the Lord thy God with all your heart and all your might and all your soul and all your strength, all your time. Well, what's going to happen to my, the rest of my life? What rest of your life? I thought God was your life. Amen. Yes. <laughs> Praise God. Well, I'm too old to go ever. ever. Well, my, my friend Ruth Nichols in Amarillo, Texas, is 102. And she goes, to, she goes to, church, to her church every time the doors are open. And then when that church is not having services, she goes to, she goes to my friend's church uh, uh, because he has extra, he has, he has churches on some off, he has services on off nights. And this 92-year-old woman, Ruth Nichols, 102, 102, uh, she, she, sent, she sent us a, 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 a note the other day saying, uh, uh, my, my newest book is, is gone to the publisher. I want you to be sure and get one, you know. When it comes out, because I mean, she she is she's and she says God's given me ideas for four more books. She's 102. She used to fly uh, biplanes for um, Bill Cody's circus with Amelia Earhart. She flew in the circus with Amelia Earhart, wow. stunt flying. Cool. Now she's 102 writing books. Can't, and I see pictures of her. Every now and then I see somebody, I'll post a picture of her. She's at church. She's covered up in coats, gloves. She's got a scarf on and everything. And she's sitting on the front row. And, and they say, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's minus 10 degrees outside, but she's at church. You know what that does? It provokes me. It provokes me to go to church more. It provokes me to go when the weather's bad. It provokes me to go when I'm old. And it provokes me to write books. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Oh, and she tutors. She teaches She tutors math at home. She teaches people trigonometry, geometry, and... Uh, 
and uh, physics at home. She, she tutors college students in her home. How many of you want to be like Ruth Nichols? Well, you better get started. Because I promise you, there ain't nobody here like that. So if we're going to be like that, we gotta get we got to get a move on. Go to church more. Everybody say, go to church more. Amen. Now, the, the, the third thing is we need to pray more. And we need to pray more with greater intensity. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5.17. This, this is going to blow your mind. Are you ready for your mind to be blowed? <laughs> Blown. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. Turn to your neighbor and say, pray without ceasing. Or never stop praying. Or pray always. Or keep on praying. Never stop praying. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus. To be prepared for the coming of the Lord Jesus, you start with praying without ceasing. Praying without ceasing. Everybody say pray more. Pray more. All right. How hard should we, if we're going to pray without ceasing, man, that sounds like putting forth a lot of effort to pray without ceasing, uh, so I better, I better, you know, just offer up shallow prayers. No. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Pray. I'm going to combine my praying with my thanksgiving. I'm just going to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All day long. Thank you, Lord. 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 Well, that's lazy praying. It's lazy to pray like this. Bless them, Lord. Bless them, Lord. Bless them, Lord. You know, because the Lord says, I've already blessed them. And when you say thank you, he says, for what? Thank me for what? The Lord wants you to get more. The Lord wants more. You understand? When you pray, the Lord wants more details. He wants, more, uh, wants you to be more specific. When you praise him, he wants to know why you're praising him. What are you praising me for? Bless the Lord at all times. Okay? Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. And he's saying, for what? Why are you blessing me? What's motivating you to say that? Why are you saying that? Why are you saying thank you, Lord? He, he, wants, he wants you to expound on it. He wants you to get into it, dig into it. Lord, I want you to, Lord Jesus, bless Terry and, and uh, uh, her husband. <laughs> Jimmy. Lord Jesus, bless Terry and Jimmy. Jesus says, I did. What do, you want, what do you want me to do for him? Lord, help him. How do you want me to help him? You know, he wants us to get more specific. Lord, you know, and, and so we need, you know, if you know anything about him, uh, that, that's a guide for you to pray and, and ask the Lord. Don't just say, Lord, bless John Armour. Be more specific about that. Lord, Lord, his business, you know, help his business, help his equipment to keep on running without breaking down. Lord, uh, help him to get, 
get all of his, you know, permits and everything he needs to do all the stuff that he needs and cause his enemies to be at peace with him. John Armour has enemies? Well, we all have enemies. Quit being so nosy and just, just pray for God to do things. <laughs> Amen. Lord, help him to make more money so he, can, so he can do more for his family and do more for the kingdom of God. You need to pray for the, the givers and the tithers in the church so that they'll be able to do more. So, you know, praying without ceasing means you need to put time into it. You need to put effort into it. You need to be more detailed. You need to give it more thought. And then all these other things are going to open up. See, the Spirit of God, don't quench the Spirit. When the Spirit of God says something, pay attention to what He's saying. When He speaks, listen to what He's saying. Amen? And then James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. Well, obviously, uh, when somebody confesses their fault to you, you're to pray for them. It didn't say confess your faults one another and be quick to tell everybody else. You know why people don't confess their faults to you? is because they, they don't trust you. Why don't they trust you? Are you a gossip? Are you a talebearer? Are you one who can't wait to go and tell everybody else what they just confessed to you? See, the reason people don't confess their faults one to another is they have trust issues. They don't, they don't, they're not convinced that you love them enough. But once they become convinced that you love them and you love them fervently, then they feel free to confess a weakness or a fault because they know you're going to pray for them. Pray without ceasing for each other. Pray that you may be healed of that fault. See, it's all, it's all one thought. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another about those faults so that you may be healed from those faults. That's good. Amen? Yeah. That's how the church is supposed to work. The church is supposed to, to, to uh, bring healing to every part. And then he says, the effectual, fervent, there's that word again, white hot, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Fervent prayer. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Amen? So we need to pray more, but with greater fervency. Pray more with greater intensity. Pray longer. Pray harder. Pray with fire. The reason that prayers are not answered is because they are lukewarm, willy-nilly, limp-wristed prayers. But when you pray like a house on fire, things happen. I was raised in that kind of an environment. I was raised with a mother and with extended family that when they prayed, they shook the window panes. I've told you about some of those prayer meetings. I remember, I remember one prayer meeting I, I witnessed. You know, I, was sit, I was a little kid sitting in the corner, 
and the whole family got together on a Sunday afternoon during the Cuban Missile Crisis. And they were praying about those Russian missiles in Cuba and the, the, uh, the impending war we were about to have. And they, they were serious about it. And, and when they gathered this little room, front room of my uncle's house, and they, it, it, it was just crammed full of Thomasons and Kings, both sides of the family. And they began to pray. And I, I'm sitting in the corner, and I literally hear the window panes rattling in the, in the frames. I mean, it's like a freight train was going by. That's how much, that's how much power. They, they were praying out loud, and they were praying with intensity. Listen, folks, they were scared to death. I don't know how many of you lived during that time, but it was a, it was a frightful time. And, and uh, we came that close to a nuclear war. A policeman knocked on the door. My aunt went to the door, opened the door. He said, the neighbors are complaining that you're too loud. When was the last time your neighbors heard you pray? Now, we're not supposed to pray for the benefit of other people to hear us. You know, Jesus talked about that. But when was the last time the intensity of your prayer unnerved people around you? When was the last time you prayed so fiery, fire, fired up and fervently? Fiery. That's not a word. That's a new word. That's a new word. <laughs> Pray fiery prayers. <laughs> when was the last time you prayed so fervently that, that somebody, somebody said, Are you all right? <laughs> Calm down. Calm down. I remember one time uh, my aunt. Annie King was washing dishes in the kitchen sink, and she had soap suds up to her elbows. And she's there, and she's just praying, you know. And she looked out the window, and a tornado took an oak tree out of the backyard and flipped it into the neighbor's yard. And she saw that tornado headed straight for It was a big, long yard, and she saw that tornado coming straight for the house. Some of her unbelieving relatives were in the other room. And Aunt Annie threw those soapy hands up into the air and began speaking in tongues to the top of her lungs. And the tornado lifted up, went over the house, sat down in the front yard and took out all the oak trees in the front yard and went on its way. But it's just skipped the house. And one of those unbelievers made the statement, boy, if any of those Holy Ghost people had been here, they would have said God did that. What he didn't know was Aunt Annie was <laughs> praying fervently in the kitchen. I remember one time my wife and I were driving somewhere and we hit a patch of ice and the car started doing donuts down the highway. Next thing I know, she was speaking in tongues, loud to the top of her lungs. And suddenly the car just straightened out. We just went on down the road. You can call it a coincidence, but I call it fiery prayers. Yes. <laughs> Amen. That avail much. Yes. Praise God. So we need to pray more with more intern. How about giving more? Yes. Move on to some, some other. Move on to a subject that doesn't make us as nervous. How about giving more? <laughs> that doesn't make you nervous, does it? Second Corinthians 9, 6. This I say, he which sows sparingly 
shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. You know, if we would give more and give with intensity, we might see more results. Isn't that what he's saying? You want a bountiful harvest? Well, quit being namby-pamby about your giving. Give more. Give more intensely. Give on purpose. Give intently. Give with, 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 a, with a passion. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. God loveth a cheerful giver. That's the next verse down, on, down the line. He says, for God loves a cheerful giver. What does that mean? It means God gets his hands on and loves on and massages a hilarious giver. That word cheerful means hilarious. It's, look at the Greek. It's one who gives with hilarity. When was the last time you giggled when you gave? Huh, what was the last time? When was the last time you gave so much it made you laugh? This is ridiculous. This is this is ludicrous. <laughs> but I'm loving it. I'm loving every minute of it. Give more. Give with intensity. That's what I'm saying. I'm just you know what I'm really saying. If it's a good thing, this is the time to do it more. Yes. To intensify the good that you do. Why? Because of the day we're living in. Amen. If shouting and saying amen to the preacher is a good thing, you ought to do it more. If brushing your teeth is a good thing, you really ought to do it more. You know what I'm saying? Amen. If eating right is a good thing, you need to bear down and eat right till, till your body knows it. If it's a good thing. If it's a bad thing, you ought, to, you ought to quit doing it with the same intensity that you do the good thing. Lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets you. And run the race that is before you. Amen? So if it's good, do it more. If it's bad, cut it out. Can you name a few good things I haven't mentioned? You bet you can. There's a whole lot more good that we can do besides these things I mentioned. But the point is, it's time. If you're ever going to do, if you're ever going to do it, it right if you're ever going to do it more now's the time because we're running out of opportunities how are you going to go to church more when they outlaw it how are you going to read your bible more when they take them all up and burn them Nebuchadnezzar outlawed praying that's what got Daniel in trouble he got thrown in the lion's den because he kept praying. You know, they, they, you know, they could outlaw praying. They tried to outlaw singing out loud in church. Remember that? Yeah. Out in California? They, they tried to prevent them from going to church. When they couldn't stop them from going to church, they said, well, you've got to wear a mask and you can't sing out loud. Dummies. That's so stupid. But they attempted it, didn't they? So we now know, we now know what's in the heart and mind of our enemies. Yeah. And we now know what they'll do if they can do it. Yeah. 
They will, they will annihilate us. Genocide is in their heart. Murder is in their heart. Amen. And so, uh, seeing that we're living in those times, we need to do more than ever before. Amen. Praise God. Well, as a... Uh, uh, As a token of all of this, and an example of what we're talking about, I felt impressed of the Lord that we need to do communion more often. And so this year, we're going to do communion more than once a month. We're going to bear down. We're going to intensify. By doing communion, we're going to honor the Lord. We're going to remember His death. We're going to remember His covenant. And we're also going to remember the covenant that we have with each other. You can't be in covenant with God and out of sorts with people. So when we make covenant with God, we're making covenant with each other. Amen? We're coming into an agreement with each other to love and honor and minister to each other with intensity. Amen? So, uh, Jimmy, would you come? And I just want you to share these elements with uh, everyone no one no one is forced to participate but you're encouraged to you don't have to be a member of our church and we practice what's called open communion as long as you love Jesus as long as you're a believer in the body and blood of the Lord Jesus you're welcome to join with us we're going to break bread together And we're going to honor the Lord and love Him with all of our heart and soul and strength. And we're going to love each other as we love ourselves. Amen? Praise the Lord. Search your heart. Search your heart. Any area that the Lord's convicted you of might be, might be one of these points that I hit on this morning. If you feel like you've backslidden and felt, you know, fallen away in any of these areas, prayer, you know, whatever, repent. Repent and let the Lord know that you intend to do better. Amen. The Lord's merciful. Praise God. same night that Jesus was betrayed took the bread he gave thanks and broke it and he said this is my body which is broken for you see the body of the Lord was broken so that his spiritual body might be healed that we might be together this is good for marriages it's good for families it's good for churches it's good for communities you see our community needs to be healed. It needs to come together. There needs to be unity in Jacksonville. There needs to be unity in this nation. Is it possible? Yes. It is. But it starts It starts at home. It starts here. The unity of the faith was paid for by the broken body of the Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you that we can be in, at one with you
at one with each other. And all the brokenness, all the brokenness in our lives is healed by the stripes of Jesus. And for that we give you everlasting thanks. Amen? Let's eat together. And then he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. Drink it all as often as you do it in remembrance of me. He used that word often. We had, we had communion yesterday with some folks. We have communion at home. I've had communion by myself on many occasions. I've had communion in intensive care units and hospitals. I've had, <laughs> I've had communion in some of the strangest places. And I always felt better for doing it. There's something about remembering Jesus that makes everything better. Amen. Lord Jesus, we just remember you right now. You're the one who made everything better. You came into our lives. We needed you desperately. And you brought a new life. You brought a new covenant. You brought a new relationship. You restored us. You healed us. You delivered us from bondage. And you washed us clean in the, your precious blood. And so we thank you for that blood and the shedding of it. We thank you, Lord, that you are coming soon. And soon we're going to sit down with you at the banqueting tables of heaven. And we're going to drink the new wine. And we're going to celebrate what you did for us. Well, we celebrate now, Jesus. And we thank you forever. In Jesus' name, let's drink together. Amen. Drink all of it. That signifies to the Lord you're hungry for all of it. You want it all. Hallelujah. You don't want to waste anything. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just pray now your blessing upon everyone that's here in the sense that they realize and sense your presence. That they know beyond a doubt that you go with them. When they, you leave, when they leave this place. Help them, Lord, to realize that you're blessing everything they set their hands to do. Lord, cause them to see the change. As they intensify their love and service to you and as they intensify their love and service to each other, cause them, Lord, to see the results of it, to see the manifestation of your approval and to cause them, Lord, to have that provoking sense that they're provoked to even do greater things and to do more things for you. And Lord, we just thank you that as we seek you first and your righteousness first, that everything else will just come along behind and our lives will align with your perfect will. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said amen. 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 All right. Well, Lord bless you. Lord, keep you. Lord, go with you.